0: Thank you. It's, uh, I've already had an accident. I haven't even started yet. <laughs> this is the new way we do it now. <laughs> As uh, one of the younger pastors on staff. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the opportunity, Pastor Darren, our executive pastor, and Pastor Rob, our lead pastor. Uh, Thank you for this uh, opportunity. It's an honour to be able to uh, speak with you uh, for the next 13 consecutive weeks. Um, is, that, is that right? Oh, oh, sorry, the fish was this big. Um, <laughs> I'm a preacher, you've got to take opportunities. Uh, but no, I love the leadership of River Valley. Do you love the leadership of River Valley? The vision? Amen. It's, uh, it's great to be able to serve in a church with vision, and I'm excited to be able to be here with you this morning and just share God's word. I, I, I want to start off by sharing a couple of things I need to confess to you this morning, because I believe in confession, I believe in transparency, uh, and so I want to start off by telling you two things. My father is a hoarder. <laughs> I have to confess that to you. Uh, the second confession, I watch a lot of HGTV. Uh, Anybody else have those two same problems? Yeah, we'll have prayer teams later. Um, How are these things related in my life? Let me tell you, my dad was one of those people who just never threw anything away, nothing. And, And you know what his reason for not throwing anything away was? You never know when it might come in handy. You never know. So we had a garage full of things that might come in handy one day. And, and I remember when I got my first car, uh, and who, you, we all remember our first car. First cars are kind of crazy because they're the cheapest car you ever buy. It's also the worst car you ever buy. It's the car that costs you the most to fix and maintain. It costs you the most in gas. It's just all wrong, right? So I had this car, it was called. It was a 1972 Morris Marina. Uh, so bad they never even sold it in America. Uh, <laughs> um, And and it was bad. I mean, it was really bad. You know, you drive along, you could see the road passing underneath you, you know. Um, And I came home one night and I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I said, the the headlamps on this car are just really dull, you know. I'm really struggling to be able to see at night, you know. And uh, next morning I wake up and there, wired to the front of my car, (laughs) is an aircraft landing light. (laughs) from a Cessna (laughs) aeroplane. He looked at me and he said, well, you never know when it might come in handy. (laughs) Uh, Who who does that? Where do you find a Cessna aircraft landing light? What is he hanging around at airports? Like just waiting for it to drop off? I don't know, like he's just a crazy man. Uh, You you still can't fit a car in his garage because all the stuff that might come in handy. now, now, what about HGTV? Any, any other men, you watch HGTV? Yeah, and, and not just because your wife tells you you have to. Um, I, I, don't, I don't mind it. I like property hunters. I, I, you like, like property hunters? I get a little bit annoyed with some of the people on there. You know those ladies that come in there and they're like, yeah, I'd like a five-bedroom house, uh, 4,000 square feet, four-and-a-half bath, large uh, yard for all my dogs. Oh, and what's your budget, ma'am? Uh, $100,000. We definitely can't go over $100,000. <laughs> It's like, well, we've got some nice places in Detroit just for you. Okay. <laughs> uh, love it or list it. I love love it or list it, but I feel kind of sorry for the list it dude because I think the love it lady just does so well all the time that he hasn't got a hope. Yeah, you're nodding. He's looking at me going, yeah, my wife makes me do it too. Um, <laughs> but but Mandy, Mandy, my wife, she loves to watch like Design Star and all these other programs where they take something and then they turn it into something different. They take this old, terrible room and then they turn it into this magnificent space that just looks incredible. Uh, one of the words that they use a lot on these programs uh, that I've started picking up on is the word repurposing. Repurposing and upcycling. Have you heard that? Um, it, it, it's kind of crazy. You know, you, you, They'll go into this room and they're like, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to turn like these old railway tracks into a dining room table. I'm like, that's great, but what about the train that's going to be? Or or, or sometimes I see they get like pallets, you know, like and they'll paint them white and then hang them up on the wall. And they're like, oh, that's your new wall feature. Because I would never have thought of that as a wall feature. But you know, repurposing and upcycling, it's all the rage, and we've kind of gone through the age of recycling, which is where you take something, you break it all down to the base materials, and then you reuse it for something different. We've gone through all that. Uh, Now we're taking things that are useless, and we're converting them to something that's useful, uh, straight into something that can be uh, used in a different way and for a better purpose. Uh, So you can see that my childhood's really coming back to haunt me, uh, because my father now calls himself a repurposer. He thinks that he invented repurposing. <laughs> so uh, we'll keep praying for him. But you know you know who invented? You know who invented repurposing? God. God invented repurposing. Uh, God has been repurposing ever since Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden. Ever since they messed up, God has been in the business of repurposing our lives. He's been in the business of taking something that's now useless and turning into something that is useful again. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. When Adam and Eve messed up, God had to come up with a plan that will allow us to be new again. Why? Because that's the only way that we can get to heaven. That's it. His plan involves sending his only son, Jesus, to die for you and for me, take on the sins of the world. Today, God takes us in our useless state if we'll let him and can turn our lives around and make something useful out of our lives. I think that's absolutely fantastic. What a wonderful opportunity we have in Christ. I'm repurposed because of Jesus. You are repurposed because of Jesus. I have a new purpose. I've gone from having no purpose in my life to now I have purpose. My purpose is to live as a new creation in Christ. And now because I have purpose, I now have hope. And I don't have hope that's just kind of a wishful thinking hope. See, when I have hope, I have a hope that is a confidence in Jesus Christ that he will take the circumstances of my life, that he'll never leave me, he'll never fail me, and he'll turn everything into good if I'll let him do it. Here's what I believe. I believe that God doesn't just want to repurpose our lives. I believe God wants to repurpose the circumstances of our lives. I believe that God wants to take the things that happen to us that look useless and turn them into something that is good. And he's done this all through scripture with different men and women of God. He's taken these difficult circumstances and turned them into something new. And guess what? At the end of every single one of their stories, they look back on their lives and they went, wow, look at that. God's hand was in my life the whole time and I never knew it. I thought God was ignoring my prayers. I thought God just didn't like me today. I think we need to have a different perspective sometimes on the trials of life. Why? Because if there's a verse in the Bible like Romans 8.28 that says, for we know that all things work together for good to them who love Christ Jesus and are the called according to his purpose, then we should believe that all things Work together for good. If there's a verse in the Bible like Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, For I know the, the, the thoughts that I have towards you, uh, uh, plans for a future and a hope, then we should believe that there is hope in Jesus Christ because it's in the Word. All things, hope. See, I think a lot of us, we can quickly see God's blessing in our life when he gives us a pay rise, when he gives us a a new job, when we get a house. It's very easy to see God's blessing. It's very hard to see God's blessing sometimes during the trials of life. It can be very difficult. But you know what? God's word tells us over and over again that he is about making us new through the circumstances of life. Let's have a look at a few verses in the Bible very quickly. Hebrews 10, 19. So, dear brothers and sisters... We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. Psalm 40, verse 3. He has given me a new song. John 13, 34. So I'm giving you a new commandment. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart. Put a new spirit in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Titus chapter 3 verse 5, he has washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. Revelation 21 verse 5, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Can you see a pattern? God equals new. God equals repurposing. God wants to take the old and make it new. It's what he does. There's an incredibly fantastic chapter in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. It's often referred to as the as listing of the heroes of faith, the people that we could aspire to. Uh, they were kind of like the Avengers of their day, if you like, the superheroes. Uh, and you know what I think is awesome? Is that if the people in this chapter could basically endure incredible adversity, make incredible mistakes, and yet somehow end up in the Bible, recorded forever, As heroes, then there's hope for you and there's hope for me today. Amen. God can take our circumstances and our lives and turn them around so that we can be heroes. Gives me hope. Let's have a look at a few of them mentioned in Hebrews 11. Uh, There was a man named Joseph. He was the man with a very colorful coat. Uh, He has these dreams as a young man that his brothers and sisters are going to worship him. Let me tell you, if you ever have that dream, don't tell your brothers and sisters. (laughs) Keep it to yourself. (laughs) He tells his brothers and sisters, uh, his brothers, they dig a hole, they put him in a hole. He gets found, he gets sold as a slave. uh, the, 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 The person who's the head of the household, Potiphar, his wife takes a fancy to him, thinks he's a cool young dude, decides to try and seduce him. He runs away. She doesn't like it. She accuses him of rape. He gets thrown into prison. At this point of the story, you could say Joseph could have turned around and gone, You have got to be kidding me, God. I have tried to trust you, I have tried to give you everything, but here I am now I'm getting thrown in prison for something I didn't do, but he didn't do that. Joseph had an unwavering commitment to Jesus Christ, to God, sorry, that that he would allow him to use the circumstances of life and turn them into something different repurpose the circumstances of life. So what happens after the, that point of the story? He interprets a dream for one of, one of the prison guards, one of the cupbearers. I, I, I wish there were Josephs around now because like, I have crazy dreams. And, uh, you know, like last night, I dreamt that like a zebra like, came up to me. That's right, people in Australia, I just said zebra. My apologies to those of you watching online. <laughs> I had this zebra come up to me and then it turned into a seal and walked off as a fairy. So if any of you have a gift, please come see me later. (laughs) So so Pharaoh finds out about this gift that Joseph has, so he calls him and he wants to interpret his dreams. He does it. He ends up becoming the second most powerful person in the land. He ends up then getting favour and then helps his brothers and his family move to Egypt and saves a nation that's not even yet established. And this is what he says... This is what he says to his brothers at the end of the whole story in Genesis chapter 50. He says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Their purpose was harm. God's repurpose was to use Joseph to save many. Joseph always kept perspective and we need to do the same thing. If we look at our trials and we blame God for them, or we get upset because God doesn't solve our problem the way we want him to, We've lost perspective. See, we, should, we sh- our perspective should be, God, I have absolutely no idea how you're going to solve the problem that I am in right now. None. But I have total faith that you will. That's what our perspective should be. Let's look at some other heroes of faith. Moses starts off life being put in a basket on a river. He gets found. He gets end- ends up uh, being raised in Pharaoh's court. Uh, He kills a man, spends 40 years herding sheep in the desert. God calls him one day, a burning bush talks to him, it's gone. Tells him to go and save the children of Israel. He goes and does that, leads them through the desert. Millions of people behind him, comes up against the Red Sea. I'm sure Moses probably had a conversation with God at that time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, God, okay, I get the whole repurposing thing. But you know what, you really, like, you know, I'm pretty sure I have no idea how this one's going to work out right now. God says to him, Lift up your rod. Lift up your rod and the sea will part. And as he did that, the sea parted and all the children of Israel went through it. You don't think Moses stood there with his hand up for a minute going, Yep, never saw that one coming. (laughs) I've got to be honest. uh, Of all the options that you could have had, uh, uh, I didn't even think that was a possibility. Yeah? (laughs) See, how many times do we limit God? How many times do we limit whether he will repurpose a circumstance of life? Because we can't see the solution. We can't see how he could possibly fix it. I'm glad, so glad that God has higher ways than me. I am so glad that he has higher thoughts than me and that he can solve my problems when I can't. Abraham, another hero of faith. God gives Abraham a promise that he'll be the father of many nations, but he's already 100 years old. And this is not in the time of the Bible where they lived to 950. This is 120 years and you're done, Fred. It's over. He's 100. And God says, you're going to be the father of all nations. Abraham and Sarah, they have a little conversation. And Sarah says to Abraham, she says, Abe, I know you tell me I'm beautiful every day and I appreciate it. But I'm a 100 and I'm old and I'm not going to have a baby. And here's what I think the solution is. I need you to take my beautiful, young, attractive maid servant Hagar, sleep with her, have a child. That's how God's going to solve the problem. And Abe, because he's a man who understands. Happy wife equals happy life. He says, you know what, sweetie, because you asked me. Because you ask me, I will do it. So he does it. You know what happens? Something really interesting. See, Abraham and Sarah had trusted God before, up until this point. It wasn't like they'd never done it. It's just that in this circumstance, they couldn't see how God could solve it. So you know what they decided to do? They decided to solve it themselves. And in the words of Dr. Phil, How's that working for you? It's not. If that's you, and you keep trying to solve God's problems, stop it. It doesn't work. Didn't work for Abraham and Sarah, and it doesn't work today. Sarah gives birth to Ishmael, and because God has to keep his promise, he has to bless Ishmael, but he says to Abraham, he says, I will bless Ishmael, but his hand will be against every other man's hand. Do you know why? Do you know what that means? See, we can trace the divide between Christianity and Islam, back to that decision ishmael was the son he was the one that the the muslim religion looks to as their forefather through abraham see because of sarah and abraham making a silly decision we have an eternal conflict in our world every time you turn on the tv and see a conflict in the middle east you can trace it back to a conversation between abraham and sarah How do you think it would feel to make a decision so bad that every single person in the history of the world from then on would be negatively affected by it? And yet, God honoured them because they repented, they realised that they got it wrong, and God blessed them with a son, Isaac. Isaac was born, he was raised, and God said to Abraham, he said, you know what? I want you to sacrifice that son. I want you to give him to me. And Abraham didn't flinch because he knew by then, don't work it out. Don't work it out. And just as he was about to sacrifice his son, God stopped him, gave him a way out. See, even though... They messed up hugely. They still ended up in Hebrews chapter 11 as heroes of faith. Both Abraham and Sarah are listed in there. They saw God repurpose their mistakes so he could take them and use them for his purpose. You see, when we live for Christ, we die to ourselves. Our purpose in life becomes God's purpose for our lives. But we have to be okay allowing God to take what seems like useless, horrible circumstances of life and allowing him to turn them around. I can't see the solution, God, but I'm going to trust you. I think sometimes Jesus gives us circumstances of life. I think he gives us situations, and we look at them, and we say, you know what, God? I don't want that, because I can't see how you're going to use that. And all my infinite wisdom, I'm going to give it back to you, because I'm a mere mortal, and you are but God. He's the creator of the universe. Let's start trusting him like he is that. Will you allow God to repurpose your life today? Will you allow God to repurpose your circumstances today? I don't stand here preaching a sermon to you today as somebody who has never endured the afflictions of life or has never messed up. I stand here before you as somebody who has had his life taken and repurposed, who has had the circumstances of life repurposed. I stand here before you as a, as a man who was abused at the hand of his mother. I knew nothing but hurt, pain, rejection from my own mother. Nothing, not a positive memory to recall. Of my relationship with her. But I know, I know that God has taken the circumstances of my life and allowed me to be able to stand here before you today and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and He has repurposed my life, and He can repurpose yours too. Some of you watching online right now, you wish you were here in this room. But God wants to repurpose your circumstances of your life right now where you're sitting. He wants to take the circumstances of your life and turn them around if you'll give them to him. Maybe some of you have a marriage that needs to be repurposed. Maybe God wants to take your worn out, broken marriage and turn it into something life-giving, something loving and healthy that reflects how much God loves you. Maybe you're in the middle of a circumstance where somebody's wronged you and all you can think about is revenge. All you can think about is how can you get back? God wants to take that bitterness from you today and repurpose the circumstance of life. Turn it into something good if you'll let him today. Maybe you are somebody who's afflicted with a disease. Maybe you have a family member who's struggling with an illness or a sickness that's terminal, and you don't know how to handle it, nor do they. God is a God who heals. He's healed in the past. He'll heal today. But God can take that circumstance and repurpose it. I know that God can bring a new purpose into the trials that you are facing today. Many of you are sitting there today, and you're sitting in your seat, and you're like, Wow. Man, pastor, if only you knew all the things that I've messed up. If only you knew how deep the circumstance is that I am in right now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter for Abraham and Sarah. It didn't matter for Moses. It didn't matter for Joseph. And it doesn't matter for you. God can take your circumstances today. Some of you, when I talk about the word hero, the last thing in the world you think you're ever going to end up as is a hero. But I believe that God can take your life and turn it around so that at the end of your life, people will stand before everybody and say, surely this person was a hero of faith. Do you believe it? I believe it. God loves you so much. He did everything and he has done everything. There's nothing more we can do. All we can do is say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done. Some of you have just gone through tragedy even in the last 24 hours. A young family in, in the church just in the last 24 hours had a stillborn baby. A horrible tragedy. Right now, they are in the middle of trying to work out how God's going to repurpose that circumstance. But I know that he can do it. I know that he can do it. Because I know that they love God and I know that they have lived for him and I know they'll continue to live for him in the tragedies and circumstances of life. See, we are not guaranteed to never face circumstances in which we need to overcome. We are guaranteed only one thing, that the circumstances in life that we will need to overcome, we will overcome because we have been called overcomers through Jesus Christ. I'm an overcomer and you're an overcomer. The end of Hebrews 11, the very last verse says this, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. God has something better for you today. Would you close your eyes with me? If you are sitting here today and you don't know Jesus, and maybe today when you came in you thought that there was just no possible way that you could connect with God, I want to give you an opportunity today for God to bring purpose into your life by allowing you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour. If that's you right now as all the eyes are closed across the auditorium, And you say, God, I want you to take my life and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want you to raise your hand right now. Right now across this place, raise your hand. There's hands going up everywhere. Thank you. If that's you today and you're like, God, I need you to take my life. I need you to repurpose my life. I I believe that you can do it. I believe that you can take the mess that I have created and I want to give it to you. And I want you to repurpose my life. If that's you, lift your hand. Lift your hand today. Lift your hand and say, God, I want to take that free gift of salvation today. I want to take it. There are hands all across this place. Thank you, Jesus. I want to wait just a few more seconds. A few more seconds. If that's you and there's a stirring, you've got a stirring in your gut right now. And and you're like, "I, I just want to put up my hand, but I can't do it. I encourage you, push through and put up your hand today. Put up your hand. God wants to bless you today. God wants you to feel his love. I see all those hands. God sees your hand today. He says, welcome. I love you, my son, my daughter. Thank you. You can put your hands down. As we all keep our eyes closed, I want to pray a prayer with those who just raised their hand. And I want all of us to repeat this prayer after me as we join in. It's the first prayer that we pray when we give our lives to Christ. And let's all repeat it now. Jesus, sorry for all that I have done wrong. Thank you for dying for me. Please come and live in me. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen.